0: Welcome to episode 140 with my guest, Listener D. I'm Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour, an hour or two of honesty about all the battles in our heads, from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, or sexual dysfunction to everyday compulsive negative thinking. This show's not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. It's not a doctor's office. It's more like a waiting room that doesn't suck. The website for this show is mentalpod.com. Please go check it out. All kinds of good stuff there, blogs you can read, surveys you can take. You can see how other people took the surveys. You can support the show financially. Um, and there's other stuff. Oh, you can buy a T-shirt, a coffee mug, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, Oh, wanted to remind you that uh, next week, uh, November 15 and 16, I'm going to be in Toronto. And on the 15th, I'll be doing a group recording at uh, 7 o'clock. And uh, anybody is invited to to join that. No tickets are necessary. It's going to be at the Workman Arts Theater. Um, And that is the same place uh, that I am doing a live recording of the podcast with a single guest, Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall, um, uh, Saturday the 16th at 4 o'clock p.m., again, at the Workman Arts Theater. And tickets are necessary for that, and they are available. Uh, The link for that is on my website. It's on the homepage about halfway down. And, um, so again, Friday night, seven o'clock group recording, everybody's, uh, invited. Uh, and Susan Hagen is going to be sitting in. And, uh, so basically people are going to be stepping up to the mic. I'm going to have a stack of surveys there for people to, uh, read through and maybe it'll trigger something you want to talk about, uh, on the mic. And, um, Susan and I'll just kind of be chiming in. So hopefully you can, um, you can make it. Let's get to a couple of surveys before we get to our uh, our interview with Dee. Um, this one, this, these are from the Struggle in a Sentence survey, um, and Jane, about her anxiety, says, If only I can pinpoint that one thing that is bothering me, all of this tension might melt. But the more I try to pinpoint it, the more tension I feel. About her bulimia, it's the most depressing seesaw in the world. One minute I'm elated because I can eat anything I can afford and be numb from the pain of reality, followed by the aftermath of the purge. Everything is in disarray, I'm covered in my own vomit, and I am weak and nearly bedridden. About her OCD, I can't comprehend why other people don't want things in the order I do, which just makes my blood boil even stronger. About her codependency, I become a shell of myself around everybody except for him. My personality ceased to exist. Uh, While in public, I stood silently next to him and I let him do all the talking. Kaja Levy, about her depression, says, Dysthymia is like perpetually doing the running man on a precarious stack of newspapers. That's a great one. Um, Transcendence says about uh, her anorexia, Ecstasy for every lost pound while feeling my family's concern like a little cloud. Her PTSD Feeling at home in my body until it suddenly revolts and takes my mind with it. Being a sex crime victim, knowing that he took five years of my life and probably doesn't remember me. That is fucking heavy. Um, This is uh from Unload My Cabasa. I wonder if she meant uh, cabeza. She, uh, about living with an abuser, she writes, My blood boils every time I hear his anything, his stupid mumbling, the way he drags his feet on the floor, and the idiotic way he clashes pots together. Uh, About her anger issues, she writes, When my mother says, You're just like your father. After an argument, I just want to raise up my fist and punch her until she can't breathe like my father did to me. How ironic. And uh, finally, from Megan, about her codependency, she writes, I'm not happy if you're not happy. But if you're not happy, I have to make you happy, which makes me unhappy, which makes you unhappy, which makes me unhappy. Every human being has weird thoughts going through their head. Oh, God, that's so embarrassing. I'm afraid I'll never get another job again. That I will die and will have not been special. My brain has the gift of seeing the terrible. A million-pound tourniquet being turned against my chest that was constant. Then I started sabotaging my own career. Wanting to die and... To stop him from feeling any joy. (laughs) That is very uncomfortable in my own body. I ended up becoming a male prostitute. And what I became was an animal. They took away my shoelaces. I became chaos. Like it hurts. I just want to go. I just want to
1: leave. You have no idea what a small part of your life this is.
0: If you go to a support group, it's like creating a family that you didn't have. I mean, life is one percent. My body was abused. Ninety-nine percent judgment about that event, but they couldn't touch the best parts of me. But the
1: world is a little bit wounding. It's also glorious. It does always get better. It really does.
0: I'm here with uh, with D, who is how old are you? Twenty-eight. He's uh twenty-eight years old, and um, you had contacted me via yes. email. Is that is that I correct? Sent
1: you, uh, sent you an email. I uh, typed it at work on my phone, trying to not be seen listening to your podcast i thought maybe maybe you'd be interested
0: well um i'm glad you uh i'm glad you contacted me and um where would be a good place to uh to start with your with your story
1: okay um
0: you want to give us the broad strokes of the things that you struggle with
1: okay um
0: and then we'll get into detail about them
1: sure Okay, probably my main problem is depression. Um, I believe I'm probably bipolar too, because I sometimes have hypomania, but probably 98% of my problems are just depression. Um, some anxiety, but I think that's controlled with meds. Um, para- you, are, you,
0: are you under the care of a psychiatrist or a doctor? Uh, a
1: Psychiatrist, MD. county okay. mental health. It's He's a prescription pad that talks, basically. He's just a big... Yeah. I mean i there's no funding for anything, so it's really tough, but
0: do you consistently get to see the same person?
1: see the same doctor once every three months for about a minute or so? Oh wow, no talk therapy. I've even said to him, like I don't you know I'd probably meds alone aren't working. Maybe I could get talk therapy, maybe that would help. It's like I'm sorry, there's no funding, there's no time, it's too expensive. So well, I you know so. what? Maybe
0: maybe not through there, but right. if you dial 211 from a landline, um, you may find resources that are available in your area that are low-cost, uh, sliding scale, or sometimes even free. And the other thing you can do is Google low-fee therapy or sliding scale therapy in the name of your town or city and see if that turns, sure. turns up anything. I've gotten a lot of emails from people who've had success with that, and I had success with that. I did that, and... Um, and I found uh, a therapist who worked on a sliding scale. She was working on her license, and she was great. She's one of the best therapists right. I ever Usually had.
1: Usually, the students are really great. They're very, they're not jaded.
0: Yeah, and uh, they're they're really uh, yeah interested. And you know, I'm sure there are people that have had bad experiences. But what is it? What's it hurt to try?
1: Right, right. I mean. Um
0: and so and so what are the uh so uh, uh,
1: I'd, I'd say depression um some anxiety but that's that's okay right now um suicide attempts um very strong family history of suicide um
0: how many attempts
1: myself, oh god, I literally lost count, i think it's three or more yeah uh, <laughs> my my okay um my dad my half brother my Dad's brother have all, and myself have all attempted suicide. They're all on my dad's side. All attempted, no one succeeded for some reason. I don't know why. So bad at it, but um, <laughs> they, you know, it's just uh, it's in my genes. Like I, I honestly think it's uh, it, it's within me that kind of self-destruct uh, switch or whatever. You know, it's in my DNA and every cell in my body. I just feel like I I, I read something. 30 to 50 percent of uh suicidal behavior is dictated by genes so it almost doesn't matter what kind of life i had i almost think like there's at least a one-third to a half chance that i'd probably try to take my life no matter what you know it's just like in my dna it's the only way you know and also schizophrenia is in my family and you know my mom's agoraphobic and you got a lot a, on your plate, dude. It, we're a mess genetically. Yeah. We're 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 horrible.
0: Well, you know, I'm a big believer that um, while we can be genetically predisposed towards stuff, there are so many. Right, you need ways to, to ameliorate that.
1: It's environment and genes, you know. Yeah. You, you can control your environment to, for, to some extent. You can,
0: and uh, that doesn't mean that that thing will ever completely go away, but it, in my experience, it can definitely become manageable, but it takes a lot of focus and dedication. And See, that's daily, the thing, that, 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 thing that's so hard is because when depression Dude, hits you, you want to give up.
1: When someone wants you to do something for your depression, I'm like,
0: Fuck you. You don't get it, man. That's the
1: whole fucking point. Like, I can't do anything.
0: Yeah, Yeah, somebody in the uh, Struggle in a Sentence survey I read last night said uh, the depression feels like somebody has just turned up the volume on gravity. Oh my God, that's
1: perfect. Yeah, I was thinking, I I came up with something, it's like wearing a backpack full of bricks. 24-7, you cannot take it off, you bathe with it, sleep with it, eat with it, fuck with it, doesn't matter. Cannot take it off. You're dragged down all the time. Your body aches. Everything is a struggle. And someone wants you to run a marathon or something. Yeah. Well, there is. Look at this. Look at my back.
0: I can tell you there is relief from it because I've experienced it, and I'm I'm in relief from it from it right now. But it seems to come in layers as we uncover shit from our lives we get a reprieve and then maybe we the next layer comes up and we kind of
1: you have to deal with this shit one way or the other either you deal with it when it happened or you know you work through it later AA or therapy or whatever um and there's no there's no delaying it you know mm -hmm. ultimately
0: and what um anything else
1: um uh sexual assault possibly when I was 13, which uh, was, yeah, uh, um, and I'm not thinking of anything else, really. Um, I've been homeless, um, been in psych wards, been 5150'd, um, rather insane history of self-harm,
0: you got a nice um, resume. Yeah, dude. I'm. I'm you got to start sending those out, man. Yeah, I'm, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, did you
1: want to talk? I'll talk about anything. anything did you want to anything. talk about
0: the the sexual stuff that you?
1: Yeah, yeah, sp- oh yeah, that too. Paraphilia, obviously.
0: Um, yeah, we can get into it. Um. And and uh, tell the the listeners uh, what exactly <laughs> paraphilia is. I know this is hard. Uh, okay,
1: yeah, several names: uh, infantilism, adult baby, auto nepiophilia which is like a Greek word. I take some pride in having like the most ludicrous fetish. Like it's so fucking bizarre. I totally get, you know, Jerry Springer and Doctor Phil and all the you know exploitative. It's insane. Like I, I never have lost. My self-awareness that my my sexuality or my fetish or whatever is fucking bizarre (laughs) like it just I almost makes no sense to even to me I don't quite under understand why I mean I I try to I try to verbalize what this is and it's it's just hard because it's like obviously very deeply rooted from as long
0: as I can remember Can you move the microphone a little closer to your mouth? Sure. Perfect.
1: I'm a a novice. Um, It's it's just very deeply rooted, and I can tell. Um, For as long as I can remember being conscious, I've felt like this. Um,
0: What are your your earliest memories and feelings
1: um, around that? So probably the one that I think of the most is um, I was born, and then my sister was born about year and 10 months after I was and she was a baby and I was we were all like in the family room together and stuff and I guess I you know they were changing her diaper and I I was they were paying attention to her and not me and I was like you know I want that too like you know Mm -hmm. I'd like I think I either laid down next to her or I just asked you know put put one on me too Mm mm-hmm like no dude come on what the, you know they they weren't into it obviously at that time <laughs> and so that's my earliest memory is like i want that attention it was always like i felt like i didn't get enough attention from my mom because my my sister was born i've always felt like that i've always felt like she was the favorite and i feel like um part of like why i have such an insane like need to be taken care of and like attention and and stuff like that is, like, I feel like I was kind of deprived when I was younger, like when my sister was born.
0: Do you crave to have a partner hold you and look into your eyes and see you? Or does does that... Yeah, yeah. Well, well, let me ask you this. What do you crave from a partner? Sexuality aside, what do you crave from them, if anything?
1: It's tough. I've only had one girlfriend in my life, and it's been five years or something since I last had a girlfriend. So, like, my whole romantic life is not too well developed. But I think in a partner or, you know, romantic partner, well, uh, I like kind of just warm, maternal, caring women in general. Uh, I'm definitely drawn to that. I like, I definitely want my partner to... I'd not be in in lead all the time and not be, you know, they could maybe be the alpha or whatever. I could be the submissive one in the relationship. I like to not be
0: in control. I like... Do you like ever being in control in a relationship or you like...
1: No, I like completely... I'm totally submissive. Like I'm... In the BDSM sense, I'm a submissive total sub. Yeah. But, um... It's just hard for me to say like what i want I want a girlfriend right now, like I want a date and stuff, but i'm so so socially awkward and afraid to do anything and what are the and...
0: uh, um if any the emotional fantasies around having okay. a having a relationship the, the um
1: yeah, just like obviously just love <laughs> you know, expressed just, in what way uh physically obviously and
0: like how can you be more detailed
1: Mm, sex obviously but um just a lot of touching a lot of touching holding hands hugging holding each other i like to be held
0: and um eye eye contact
1: yeah it's tough um i think for the right girl i could i'm not going to date a million women and like be out every night and to the bars and whatever like i I'd like to find, like, one woman to just stay with the rest of my life, I think, if we could be soulmates or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just, I'm uh, i, I just, um, very lonely, I, like, don't really have friends, and um, just to have, like, another warm human nearby that you're, have a real bond with, I think, would be very, very nice, because I'm, I'm often alone and like kind of I don't know. It's tough, but yeah.
0: What's your relationship like with your with your parents?
1: Um, well, okay, so I it's okay. I mean, I I got into it. It was a bad situation. I was living with my parents for for too long and finally kicked me out um, about a year ago.
0: Did they say why?
1: Oh, it was... Uh, I'm not quite prepared to talk about exactly what happened, but uh, I did something that I regret, and I'm still trying to... But anyways, it, it just had to... You know, what can't go on forever won't, and it was going to end at some point, and it ended how it ended, and I was 5150 Uh They took me to... This thing called Santa Ana ETS, emergency or Evaluation Treatment Services, which is this like bare bones thing. If you don't have insurance and you have some sort of psychiatric thing going on, we will take you to this horribly depressing thing with bolted on plastic beds and everything. that's just horrible. Anyways. Um,
0: the Motel 6 of psychiatric really, oh,
1: care. In America, oh, people like your, in Europe and other countries where it's like socialized medicine and it's insane in America. If you have mental health issues here, you are on your own.
0: But anyways, um, and I wish people, some people do connect it, but so many people think that gun control is about the right, guns. Dude. And while there's certainly that issue to be made when people go on these rampages, it's not about the guns. It's about the mental illness. Right. Going untreated. James Holmes, man,
1: like uh, Cho Sung-wee, all these people tried to reach out. Uh, what's his name? Jared Loughner. All of them, dude. Like they all have a history of. And no one wants to, like, everyone passes the football to someone else. No one, there's no cen- there's no bureaucracy, there's no centralized anything. It's not, no communication.
0: And it's easier to, for people to write them off as not being a human being, just being a machine or a monster. Right, it right. It needs to be put down or...
1: Yeah, it's, well, you don't want to think that the person who, you know, went into elementary school and did that is the same species as you, let alone, you know. Yeah. Um, but... But anyways, yeah, so they took me to the, the Santa Ana ETS thing, and I didn't have insurance. They were going to release me. I was in a very bad, bad, bad place. What, what
0: was your diagnosis? Did they give you one? Uh,
1: Things uh, they, they said I was bipolar, major depressive, something like that. Um, it, I, it was a violent thing, what happened. Um.
0: But you don't want to share the details of it? Uh,
1: no. Um uh, <laughs> Sorry, it's just uh, uh, it's just hard. It's like the worst thing I ever did. And I, I, I don't. I shouldn't even mention it because now people are like, "What? What happened?" I, I just can't uh, okay. right now. But you know, regardless, I was fifty-one, fifty. I was at San Annie ETS, and uh, I knew they were going to release me because I didn't have insurance and they, they didn't want anything to do with me. So I took a bed sheet, and I tied it around the doorknob in the little bathroom area of the room I was in. And I tried to hang myself. And it wasn't... I was... I, I literally prayed at that point. And I, I'm an atheist and I don't really believe in God. <laughs> it's just like my hour of need, sort of. But the suicide attempt was not... I really wasn't trying to die. I was just like, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. If I try to kill myself, they will... Give me two weeks inpatient and I can sort this shit out, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I've, I, you know, so I did that and fucking called the ambu- paramedics and shit. And anyways, they, they took me to another emergency room. And it, uh, long story short, I got two weeks at uh, at a place and they eventually turned me out on the street and I was homeless for, for a little while. Got into a homeless shelter.
0: And, what yeah. was it like being homeless?
1: I was only homeless for three or four days. So it was very lucky. Um, I'm a really spoiled white suburban, writ, you know, upper middle class kid. Never had any difficulty, truly true difficulty, growing up or anything.
0: It was weird, not, not man. Fi- not financially.
1: No, no, not really. My dad's a teacher and very stable pension, all that.
0: But, um, but can you can you see that? What? your life wasn't easy and emotionally you were not privileged that, that right. you grew up in emotional I, what so sounds like emotional myself. poverty to me
1: oh dude my oh, my family yeah. i mean it's like i um yeah my family does not talk about anything ever
0: but um there's some big elephants in your living room
1: yeah dude like my my when my half brother killed himself is like or half tried to kill himself thank god he has schizophrenia now but um when he tried to kill himself it was like not we didn't talk about it or anything. Like it was just maybe they thought I was too young or whatever, but then my mom started developed agoraphobia. Didn't hear anything about that. We just stopped going on vacations one year. It was like why why why? They're like, oh, expensive. Too expensive or something. We'd we wouldn't go to like to Hawaii. We'd go like visit grandparents in Oregon and whatever. But yeah, no, they didn't tell me that either. Maybe they thought I wouldn't understand or whatever. But
0: so you guys went on on vacation to avoid dealing with it. Is that no, what no, you're no? Saying? I'm
1: saying we we stopped going on vacation because my mom could not leave oh, Orange gotcha. County without gotcha. having panic attacks, like serious. So, so anyways, um, yeah, my family, we just, it's just awkward. Like we 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 don't tolerate awkwardness in anything or like any heavy negative, sad dark emotions are never voiced it's always how you doing great <laughs> how you doing good good doing good doing great <laughs> uh, great doing great
0: i sh- doing great i've shared this before on the podcast but when my dad tried to to kill himself yeah um oh, he was man. committed to bellevue and Ooh, all wow. there was was a he was because he was in new york on business and he didn't show up for a meeting and he opened his wrists in the bathtub and so they kicked the door down and found him there and um so he was 5150 and um and there was no way to get a hold of him other than the payphone in the hallway and after 3 days of it ringing and you know somebody picking it up but not finding him we were finally able to get him on the phone and i said dad it's paul how are you and he said oh fine uh and it just broke my heart it just broke my heart Wow. So I Yeah, it's the you know I get it. And you know I also understand it on a certain level because it's to go in there, to go inside when there's such lava in there is so Yeah. It it burns on a certain level. It's yeah, I mean
1: you I get I I get why. You know, it's tough to talk about this stuff and so we take the easy route, but Again, you got to deal with that shit. It's gonna
0: you, you do. know chickens
1: come home to roost or whatever. It, it's you know?
0: gonna come out one way or another. Yeah. There is no hiding it. There is no hiding it. Um,
1: but uh, yeah, so you know the whole homelessness homelessness thing. I it was a good thing ultimately. I'm I'm actually in a better place than I was even even just a year ago. Living at home, being addicted to marijuana, literally selling all my possessions just to afford weed. You know. Um, Craigslist was my, you know, mm-hmm. favorite favorite website. Um, so, anyways, uh, yeah, that was cool. Like, I got actually into like a really cool homeless shelter, and they had a pro- program where, you know, you'd save like eighty percent of what you earn, like in a job. Getting, I got a job pretty quick, so I saved up a good deal of money there for housing, you know. And so I, I ended up being able to rent a place on my on my own from a guy, or rent a room rather so i'm actually somewhat of a functional adult for 28 first freaking time in my life you know what i mean like i'm actually i work 40 hours you know plus a week and pay for my own everything yeah it's it's an adjustment i feel good though like when i when i lived with my parents i never was okay with it and i always hated myself every morning i woke up hated myself and every year it would get worse and worse because i was a year older 25 and I'm still living here. 26 and I'm still living here. 27 like I, I I never got the urge. I never was able to leave because like I think I was just too depressed. But yeah, I'm on my own now and I'm doing 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 well. I still gotta find some you know support groups and therapy and all that stuff. But
0: I think there are a few things as challenging as living in a home that's toxic. And my heart goes out to people, especially young people, that have no financial independence and are stuck living with... That's true. And and I'm not saying your parents were abusive, but I, I, I correspond with quite a few people in their 20s who...
1: Oh, my God. If I could just talk to specifically people in their 20s, living at home with their parents, not working and not paying rent... You every time, every year you keep doing that, it's going to get harder and harder. Eventually, you will have to live on your own, earn your own money, pay for your own stuff. Parents, you're not doing your kids any favors. Um, it's just, it's tough, but then jobs are scarce and everything's expensive and economy, and uh, it's just tough, but you know,
0: and there's a segment of our society that just seems it's especially the corporate world that just se- seems clueless about the fact that people need a living wage and I know they oh, want to yeah. be I know they want to be competitive globally but there's got to be some alternative well one of the problems i have is that the gap between the average worker and the ceo has gone up by like a 1000% since the <laughs> 50s and um yeah it
1: uh oh, man i mean i can't go on like i i worry about society being destabilized by by all this, you know what I mean? Like like the gap between the rich and poor, and and you know, right now I make minimum wage. I have um, I can't sit down. I'm a gas station cashier. Uh, yeah, it sucks. We get two two ten minute breaks. It's it's really hard to survive on eight bucks an hour. It's just really I can't imagine really fucking hard. Like I don't ever go out to restaurants. I don't ever go to the movies. I don't ever um do fun stuff. I try to just do everything online, you know. I'm I'm not complaining. I um it just I, I it sucks to struggle. Like I I'm tired of struggling, you know, with everything. <laughs> I don't know.
0: So what would be another thing to
1: We can talk about talk. the sexual assault. Um Okay, so this was about when I was 13. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, um, I was uh, at my best friend's house at the time. Um, We were hanging out. Um, I don't think his parents were home. We were wrestling, like, you know, how boys Mm -hmm. will wrestle or whatever. And it just sort of kind of turned into it started out fun wrestling and then he sort of like overpowered me and held me down and I hate him for for doing this because I have to use this word to describe it and it's funny word but he, he started humping me like grinding his crotch against like my side and and, um, yeah, and I, I didn't like that. And, and and so I was like, yeah, hey dude, stop it. Come on, man, stop. Let like, go. Oh. And, um, he got really quiet and like he wouldn't stop and he, he was bigger than me. I was a very small kid and he was bigger and stronger and he just held me down and he just kept, kept rubbing himself on me like that. And it just wouldn't, I was getting like more and more frantic Um, um, I had never, I couldn't get away. Um, I had never been trapped before like that, like unable to, to, um, to get away from something bad that was happening to me. And, um, I kept fighting and I kept fighting and he kept doing it and he wouldn't say anything. And I remember, I just sort of like stopped struggling. Like I just went limp and waited for him to stop. And, uh, I didn't, I think I dissociated something like broke inside me is like the only way I can describe it. It was, it was, I've never, I've always been weird about touching people and being touched and before then after then okay um even though i do like i like to be touched but it has to be like under my conditions or terms or whatever but he wasn't an adult we weren't naked i didn't know what it was You know, it, uh, it took me a long time to realize that was probably a big deal because <laughs> I didn't think about it at the time. I just sort of tried to not think about it. And I, I don't. I think we were still friends after that, and I hung out with him or whatever. But it was like years later, I, I, I would kind of think about it occasionally and just like, what was that? Do you still encounter him? No, no, I haven't seen him. We moved in 99. I haven't seen him in 50. 50- 14 years, he was my best friend, and, yeah, I had to move away from all my friends, actually, but...
0: I'm glad that you can call it a sexual assault.
1: Thanks, yeah, yeah, It's it was tough. I actually posted something online kind of describing it, and um, someone was like, yeah, that's sexual assault. And I don't, was like, yeah, don't, okay.
0: <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah. ever let anybody...
1: Because you know you feel like maybe oh you it
0: wasn't we
1: weren't naked oh it wasn't an it adult it, yeah it it's doesn't about,
0: it's about somebody treating you like an object and denying your humanity precisely yeah and how and how it made you feel
1: yeah yeah I mean I um, I think to this day don't ever feel like inside my body really I think that's why I can do all the uh, bizarre self mutilation. Stuff that I've done in the past,
0: I get emails from um people uh especially uh women who, when they began to enter puberty, their fathers began to leer at them and oh, it they have trouble giving weight to it, and right it's my it's dad the, it's you know it, yeah, it's the same. Well, because they say I wasn't touched. Right. It's, you know... know, know, Nothing was said, but it doesn't matter. It's the the dehumanizing. It's the, yeah. The objectification.
1: Victimizing. It's, you know, you're treated like, you know, masturbatory aid or something. You know, Mm -hmm. it's fucking horrible. Like, rape is the worst fucking crime I think you can do. Murder, murders, you know, because murder, someone's dead rape you have to live with that shit for not only the initial but anyways it's just a horrible thing like, and all the
0: battles in your head because there's that part of you that wants to tell yourself it didn't happen and will come up with excuse after excuse yeah. to avoid feeling the pain and the truth of of what really happened right right lucky are the people who can process it and get to that place of peace or semi-peace um, whereas a lot of people, it, it haunts them for the rest of their lives. You know? and yeah. Then, and then very often they have children, and if something happens to their child, they can't. They're incapable of extending compassion to their to their child. Uh, and, see, and then, and then that, then that con- is the... A the, cycle the, that just the worst continues. worst to me is, is then the child who goes to their parent, and the parent shuts them down. Uh, that, that, to me, is one of the worst crimes
1: uh yeah
0: it should dude. be a crime it should be a crime when a child comes to you and reports a sexual assault um and as a parent you don't do anything or you belittle them which is even yeah worse.
1: or it's like a family member you know it's their you know sibling or whatever it's your aunt or something and they don't want to believe it, you know it's just complicated it's tough it's, yeah it's tough but
0: um let's talk about well, be, before we finish uh, talking about the sexual assault, what what changed for you in terms of your interactions with other people, how you felt about yourself, how you felt about your body um, after after that happened?
1: Okay. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a turning point, and I didn't realize it at the time. Had you uh,
0: attempted suicide before that?
1: No, no, I had no real any psych, psychiatric issues at all after that. It's. When it started, I don't know that that's precipitated or caused it or whatever, but... Um, yeah, when, so...
0: When was the first suicide attempt, mm, Well Like,
1: 17, 16, 17. Okay. Um, it was like pills. It was, most of these are just... I don't want to die. You know what I mean? Like, I, I my freaking worldview, I'm like such an atheist, and I really think death is just complete, utter non-existence. And so it's not like I... I you know Yeah, it's mostly cry for help, you know, like especially my family. We don't we never talk about things, so you communicate with you know, fifty one fifties.
0: I guess. That's pretty profound. Um <laughs> that's really profound, dude. Yeah. I mean Yeah. What a primitive language that, dude. that suicide attempt cry for help is.
1: It's to I mean, there's no bigger card you can play. It is the you know, other than die- killing yourself and dying, um, but the suicide attempt is the purely like
0: it's so raw and honest. Hold the fucking
1: phone! <laughs> stop it! Hold! Stop everything! Yeah. We gotta do something here. But yeah, so anyways, after the after when I was thirteen, actually we got I remember we got a computer, we got the internet, and I just pretty much. I kind of divide my life into pre-internet and post-internet because it like changed my life so much. Like before the internet, I used to go out and skateboard with my friends and hang out and go outside. And now I'm a, I'm a total recluse and hermit. And I just stay inside all the time. But um, yeah, after that, I pretty much just stayed indoors and and on the computer mostly. I didn't go out with my friends. And then we moved. I had to go to different high school. How
0: how old were you when the internet change came? And oh, this will... 14. Okay, but this... And the
1: internet f- actually figures into the paraphilia, the infantilism. Okay.
0: um, but
1: Yeah, I, I started, I would play like Starcraft, you know, with my my friends online and uh, stuff like that. But then I just gradually stopped, you know, talking to them. And then when I went to a different high school, I they went to a different high school than me. We moved and I didn't get, I just couldn't get new friends or I didn't, or I didn't want to. I don't know what the fuck. I just didn't care anymore. And so I, I just didn't have any friends, and still to this day, I'm like a total loner. And um, Yeah, I think probably I was using the Internet as like an escape or numb out or something like that. And obviously, you don't know it at the time. You're just like, hey, I'm going to stay online 10 hours today. That's totally normal and cool. And-
0: oh, you know what that sound means? It's time to give our sponsor a little bit of love. And our sponsor for this episode is Daily Burn, the best fitness anywhere. Go check out the the website, dailyburn.com. They have online workout videos and a huge, huge variety of programs from Tabata to interval training to yoga. And what I really like is the way they're organized. So whatever your mood is for working out, you may say, you know what, I only feel like doing 15 minutes of yoga. So they're arranged by style of uh, workout that you want, or you can sort them by length of workout that you want, or even by the person who you may have a, a, an instructor that's your favorite. And so you could you could search by that. It's really, really well organized, well thought out. And uh, the cool part is you can access your workout from anywhere. Um, you can uh, connect across multiple devices like uh, Roku or iPad, iPhone. And uh, pretty soon they're going to also have a PS3 and Xbox. And uh, for MetalPod listeners... Get the first 30 days free when you go to dailyburn.com slash happy hour. So please go support them, support the show, um, because the more you support them, the more they support uh, me and the show. Uh, so go to dailyburn.com slash happy hour. Daily Burn, the best fitness anywhere. Is that how, is that how you uh, discovered that you liked paraphilia? No,
1: no, no. Um, that... I've had this for as long as I can remember. Um,
0: How old were you when you started masturbating?
1: Actually, quite late. I was. Uh, I kind of went through puberty sort of late. I was probably like fourteen. It was uh, soon after fourteen, or f- kind of late fourteen, almost. Like I. It's to the point where I was like, why aren't I going through puberty? <laughs> like, everyone else is...
0: Why the, aren't I getting boners? I was the same way I didn't... Well, I had boners when I was about six, but... That, I've had that, too, actually. But, yeah. I mean,
1: I wouldn't get, like, an erection when I saw a woman or something. I was like, what's going on? And then it would happen, I finally. Yeah. But anyways, um, yeah, so I I was a little bit of a late bloomer,
0: but... And and was the uh, paraphilia a, a fantasy? Once you started masturbating, when did that come in to your no? It's been sexual around map.
1: It's been in my my whole for way before, like as long as I can remember.
0: So before you were in puberty, it was uh, it was something that you wanted to happen, and then it became sexual once you hit puberty? Um, I
1: remember getting erections when I was like five or six, thinking about diapers. So. You know, I, 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 and I, I guess it's possible for someone that young to get, I didn't know that was possible. I thought I was like a freak or something, but yeah, it's been around forever. Uh, and I remember like, I totally knew it was totally like weird and unusual. And I, I didn't talk about it to anyone. I remember I asked my parents one time, like buy me diapers. And then I remember my mom said like, Oh, why don't you just wear a bunch of underwear and, and then several <laughs> pairs of underwear? Which I I still like. Like she didn't just say no; she like gave me another option. But yeah, it's been for as long as I can remember. I've I've had this, and I've known it was weird, and it's always been a weird secret. I thought I—I mean, this is a common thing, but I thought I was the only person on Earth when I was a kid who—who—who had this. And then when I got the internet one day, fucking changed my life. I typed in (laughs) to Yahoo. I remember when. People still use that. Uh, Yeah, the old before pre Google even. um, I typed in "adult diaper." I was like, "Well, we'll, let's see what happens." And I think like the first. Goddamn! It's hard for me to say that word. By the way, like I've said it ten times in my life, before this. Okay. um, But I found a website. It was called Big Baby, Big Babies web web page or something like that. I clicked on it. Is that but,
0: the word that's hard to say?
1: No, diaper. Okay. I can't fucking say that word ever. I mean, it's hard. I'm forcing myself. I'm trying to. I'm trying to do this, but literally, like ten times in my life before that, because I just can't. It's emotionally charged, but. Um. So yeah, I, I clicked on that website is, and is shame the
0: predominant emotion in saying that. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm still think I hate myself, and I still think I'm a freak, even though try to be cool with it and liberal and but um so anyways i clicked on this guy's website and the fucking first thing that loaded on the website it was the background and it was just this guy's like crotch with a diaper <laughs> like tiled like giant adult diaper like staring i was like holy shit other people aren't do this and are into this and i mean it was like such a cliche, it was like black and white to color, you know, like the Wizard of Oz, like just that other people were like this, like what the hell else don't I know? What did it feel like? Uh, It was a weight off my shoulders, definitely. Um, Yeah, it's just like, I can't even describe it. It's just like you think you're the only one, and then you find out you're not. And just a little bit of your feeling like a freak or whatever goes away. So, but I mean, I still, I, I still, I still struggle with it a little bit. I'm, I try to be, I try to be cool with it. I don't want to get counseling for it necessarily. I try to stop because it's such a part of who I am. And
0: you know, my thought is, why? Why would you? You're not hurting anybody. There are other people that are into it.
1: If it causes you distress, um, then you might want to get treatment for it. And sometimes it causes me distress. I feel a little alienated from society. Um, But it's just who I am. And I can't... Even if I got years and years of therapy or whatever, like I would still... I'm just wired this way. Like I can't do anything Can 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 I ask
0: you... About the the details of what it is that's erotic about the experience and okay. the way you act and the way the other person acts. Okay. Um, and who's dressed how and what they say or do and how they touch you. Sure. Or you touch them.
1: Sure. Okay. Well, it has to be a woman. Has to, has to, has to be a woman. I don't... Is like men taking care of me as a baby. Just... Ugh, I don't... Don't want that. It has to be woman. Um,
0: and, and you have no interest in men outside no, of the fetish? No, I mean, I'm straight. Okay.
1: I'm, okay. I think I'm straight, but, um, yeah, I uh, just any, I want, like, the fullest experience of being a baby that you can have. Um,
0: so and, would, a, would a bottle en- enhance it? Would be, it's being just fed anything,
1: enhance it? Anything that, you know... Obviously, diaper. Just dressing like a baby is very erotic
0: to me. Um, laying on your back.
1: Yeah, acting like a baby. Um, crying. Crying is a little tough. I don't. I, I feel I was kind of self conscious trying to do that necessarily, but talking like cooing, a baby. Cooing, cooing, like murmuring. Um, I just. It has to be. I want to feel. I like women to be way bigger than me and I like to be very small and for the woman to be like in complete control of me and to be totally subservient. Um you to be totally subservient. Yes. Yeah, like I what I want doesn't fucking matter at all. Just like a baby, you don't really ask a baby what they want. Um so I like I like the the helplessness. I like the giving up control. I like the clothing and the smell that there's a very the, the fetish itself is very tactile there's very every sense is represented the smell of baby powder is insane to me like it has such a huge response like um you know just the smell of diapers like they have sometimes a different perfume like smells to them and smells of that and just everything that smells like a baby babyish stuff. Um, feel like the touch, uh, the feel of a diaper, the feel of like a sleeper footy pajamas or like a onesie or, um, um, the, the sound of diapers, like the crinkling sound. I really like, um, the like if a woman sings to me, like, or I, I just like, I just want the full, like, baby experience. It doesn't have... I don't have to go into it like, I'm going to drink a bottle and mm-hmm. Just, like, however it happens, it's happens. The, it's
0: the energy of it. Is, yeah, is that... I
1: just want to be a baby and uh, and have the woman treat me like like a baby. I don't want to have sex at, while I'm dressed like a baby, even though I'm pretty turned on while being dressed as such. Because um, babies don't have sex, you know what I mean? Like, I don't... Um. Afterwards, that maybe but, okay. but during it, I wouldn't want to have sex um
0: so would you then take the diaper off and have sex with the woman, uh, probably yeah. as your just as sex. your adult self adults yeah just and would two you adults would you be then re- it would be like
1: foreplay, I suppose like I see,
0: you, and then would you be recalling i think um while I, you're having sex or would you be present in the moment with that person
1: um it's hard. I've only had sex one time well I've several times with with one person, so it's hard for me to say precisely. Um I um I would probably think about baby in infantilism stuff okay. like while I'm to to come. Yeah. Okay. But like I can I could perform sexually in like, you know, like a normal adult, I think. But yeah, it's it's like it has to I can't just like have Oh, just a, a human female sexually mature human female is like it doesn't do it for me like I I, I don't know I just I'm not I, I need this like weird extra like emotional component of you know helplessness and giving control and the accoutrement of being a baby and all this stuff and the you know
0: but you but you don't need it for the entire experience you just need it to get yourself going Right. Yeah, I, okay.
1: I, I just, I'm. I'm it, the sex part is like kind of feels almost tacked on to it. Like there's such an emotional component to it. It's just like emotionally fulfilling when I'm when I'm doing it or alone or especially if I have. I've only had several times in my life. A couple, few times have I actually been like babied by a woman. You know, as I, I, it, you're sharing amazing.
0: it, as you're sharing this, this stuff with me. You know, a couple of thoughts are popping into my mind. The first is there's such a healthy component to what it is that that you want, and yeah. it seems to me that. And, and I, you know, I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm, I'm not a therapist. You know, I cooked right. chicken to John Hughes movies for for 16 <laughs> years. But, dinner in a movie. Yeah. Gotcha. But my thought is, is instead of getting rid of the fetish because it seems like now it's it's the main course yeah how about the main course being emotional intimacy with that partner outside of the bedroom and then the fetish being the dessert of it
1: right yeah there's there's a way to 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 make it work and unfortunately the only girlfriend I've had has been, was cool with it. Um, and, and you know, what did that feel like king amazing dude? Like only a couple times in my life have I, have I gotten gotten that experience and
0: what did it feel like in your, she, um, in, in your head, in your body I and would, in your soul?
1: And she would like hold me and she would like rock me. And I just like to be held. Like whenever I'd see her or something, like I just go into her arms and like, not say anything and be like what's going on almost bummer out a little mm-hmm. <laughs> just be like quiet and like god damn it i just need to be tiny and held but yeah like would, you, the, cry,
0: would you cry would you become overwhelmed with emotion or no was it just i have good? trouble
1: crying um around other people like it's that male you know
0: thing it's hard to
1: um cry necessarily or show emotion but like that um but yeah like the the sort of just the experience of being taken care of in when i'm either alone or being taken care of as a baby in baby mode or whatever you call it um it's it's like a minor religious experience it's like i feel transcendent i feel like in my own body my head quiets down like I'll just drink a bottle one one night or something. Like put the YouTube, lullaby video lullabies and for two hours or whatever, and like drink a bottle, and my heart rate slows down. Usually, it's like kind of fast all the time. I just feel like right for that for that time. Like I I, I um wish I could be a baby all the time. Like I I, I wish I um. I don't know. I would prefer that life. I think to like adulthood.
0: What about a life in the future where that's a component? Yeah, it's not realistic. I know, but you know, yeah, it's
1: I. You know, I. I don't know. It's uh, it's just tough for me, like socially in general. Incredibly awkward, and I can't connect with people. And
0: right now, you can't. But that. I hope you have hope that, that that's... Yeah, it's tough, dude. Uh, D, Depression. You're, tw- you're 28 years old. I wish you knew how fucked up <sighs> I was at 28, how much I masked my fear with arrogance, how I couldn't laugh at myself, how I wanted to die, How how I numbed myself, you know i wish I wish just for ten seconds I could pluck my twenty eight year soul <laughs> out of the air and right. put it in you so you could feel
1: <laughs> I'm pretty fucked up, and you're I these don't, I don't
0: so many of us are so many of us are in our fifties and sixties are yeah are are fucked up, you're so dude you're so not alone, you're so not alone, and you're so okay. You're not out there hurting people. Yeah. You know you've uh, got this gentle, <laughs> sweet spirit to yourself. Oh, you know you. <laughs> you're you're likable. You're thank you. I, um, as my friends say to me all the time, I wish you could see yourself through my eyes. Uh, yeah, I, I wish that for you—that you could see yourself Dude. through a healthy person's eyes, and <laughs> not you being unhealthy. I mean, as opposed to no, no, us seeing it. ourselves through an unhealthy person's eyes. I wish you could. I wish that for you—that you will get to experience because that is transcendent. And then,
1: yeah, yeah, it's it, all about human connection. Ultimately, as much as I isolate and and stuff, I mean. That's where it's at. I mean, humans need to be around other humans.
0: Have you ever talked to a therapist about the assault?
1: No. No. Um,
0: Have you ever tried I mean, a free support group for survivors of No, I feel assault? like,
1: uh, again, like mine wasn't bad enough. Like I'll be sitting next to people who are, you know, worse and... Uh, uh, yeah, probably I need to work it out in therapy or something like that. I feel like I haven't
0: done do done much for it. Um, any person with experience in a support group for sexual assault who is really doing the work and paying attention will welcome you, will feel that you absolutely belong. And anybody that tells you you shouldn't be there has Man. not healed and is, and is filtering it through their own shit. Trust me on that. I trust me.
1: Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I mean, you all, I, I've listened to the show all the time. You always talking about support groups and, and therapy and talking, you know, and I don't talk about this, my feelings like with anyone ever. Like I have no support system. I didn't either. Almost, you know, it's like, but then you have to like go to a support group and like forge friendships and like it's freaking hard, dude. Like I don't ha- I don't know how to make friends anymore. Like I, it's awkwardly so awkward, new, but it's all the time.
0: It's not. They, they have walked the path. The ones that have been there a while have walked the path that you've walked. While the circumstances may be different, the inner turmoil, and the feelings are yeah, the same. Yeah, like the freaking. That's- that's what's important the
1: dissociation and the numbness like i've just i'm so numb all the time i feel like i never feel anything really or or i'm in my own body um it's just weird like i i i don't know i just i don't feel anything almost you know like sadness depression i'm like never happy i'm just sometimes like less depressed um I feel like, yeah, I need to be, like, a human being who, like, feels emotions and can talk about emotions and stuff like that. And, like, I, that'd be great. Um, it's, like, it feels like climbing Mount Everest, uh, that level of, like, having to work years and years and years and uh, fucking depression and, like, I can't get myself to do anything. You and know,
0: That's the other thing about depression and anxiety is the need to extrapolate and predict and it's the biggest waste of time. Yeah. And it's the biggest thing that keeps us... Not the biggest thing that keeps us stuck, but it's one of the things that keep us keeps us stuck. What because...
1: sucks about mental illness in general is like, it's your fucking brain that's <laughs> sick. You know what I mean? Like, it's the thing that you're going to use to try to navigate your way out of this is also the thing that is being affected. It's unlike any other illness. It's not like when you have liver cancer. You still have your faculties and you can fucking deal with it. You know what I mean? Like handicapped or mental, mentally ill people are handicapped. I think in that way and that your, your, your own command center is fucking. Yeah. It's compromised. It's like a diabetic
0: you know? expecting sugar to save them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Know?
1: I mean, or I'll think my way out of this. Or, yeah. Know, Jesus. Yeah.
0: You can't go to the, to the invading army. Uh. uh exactly. Yeah. For I, a battle plan. Don't,
1: don't consult your own brain and you're yeah. you can't trust that.
0: Yeah. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to touch on before, before we wrap up? Um, trying to think, um,
1: hmm. Mm self-injury. We could talk about that a little bit. When did that start? What forms did it take? Um, cutting, uh, hitting, um. Where would you cut yourself? That's about it um my thighs and my stomach cuz you can see there I have like yeah, a those giant are pretty, scar, scar pretty intense i started cutting and then that was fine and then i i do like weird stuff like i so am numb and dissociated all the time like i one cut i would keep it was this one the big fat one i kept cutting into it as it would heal i don't even know what the fuck that was like i just hate myself so much i would do anything to myself one time i one time i stuck a, a needle in my liver like a sewing needle i was just sticking needles in myself that was a fucking horrible experience actually i lost the needle like it i couldn't get it out and i was like oh uh-oh wow. that's in there <laughs> You know, it's my own dumb fault for sticking needles in myself. I guess, but um, God, you're so hard on yourself.
0: <laughs> you're so hard on yourself, and I know that is the ultimate irony coming from me. <sighs> but we need to hear it from other people. Yeah, yeah. We need to hear it from other people, man.
1: So, anyways, I um, I I obviously it, it migrated to a certain point and it started hurting all the time. Like every time I breathe, like my lung would like. Pull, uh, because the needle was still in there? Yeah, it was lodged in my liver, and they had to... I remember I got one x-ray, and they couldn't find it, and I was in horrible pain. I was like, no, I swear to God, there's a needle in there. Please. And they sent me home, and I was... I You know, I, I went into an emergency room, and I got another x-ray, and they finally looked at it, like, several times, and they finally saw the needle. I, I knew there was a needle in there. Like, it was not... But no one around me believed me, and I I was in horrible pain. It was just the worst experience. I can't imagine. Dude, like, I was, it was like the boy who cried wolf or something. It was just like, no, I'm serious. There's, I'm not mentally, I mean, I am mentally ill, but there's also (laughs) something (laughs) here. Not about this. Not about this. Um, So, and I got a second actually, I finally found it. I was like, thank God. They uh, had to surgically remove it, and, yeah.
0: And when it came out, were you able to finish the Afghan?
1: that's why you're you're the professional you're the comedy professional um, uh so yeah that was uh, that was interesting and um also uh the hitting i would hit myself with a hammer and uh mostly my stomach and abdomen but um i would do it i would hit myself in the head with a hammer um like a real hammer like a claw hammer like you nail two by fours together
0: with. What would it feel like when you would hit yourself in the head with a hammer? Would it would it be (sighs) pleasurable? No. Um
1: that was my lowest point, I think. When I was hitting myself in the head, that was like lower than suicide. What was the payoff? Because um I just hated myself and I just hated hated myself and i wanted to hurt myself
0: did it feel like truth to you like you were i just wanted
1: to hurt myself like i don't know i i I, um, I probably like i was hated my brain for being mentally ill maybe i was like hurting my brain trying to hurt my brain or something i don't know i still worry that i did brain damage and I have, like chronic traumatic encephalopathy or something you yeah. know the nfl players and boxers and shit like oh jesus I'm
0: sorry, but I I cut a a thought off um, from you with that last question. Was there a thought that you wanted to finish? Um, Oh
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, So when I was hitting myself in the head (laughs) with the hammer, yeah, that was that was that was that was that was was low. That was that was that was the lowest. I think that was worse. That was that was worse than suicide for me because I didn't even want to die. I didn't care about dying. I would, uh, I, at least with suicide, you have some sort of like goal in mind and you're like working towards it. And there's even like some grain of hope that you will feel better after you die or you won't be in pain or whatever. And this was not even, it was just, I, um, it was, I I just didn't. uh, it was just, I didn't even care to die. You know what I mean? Like, like I didn't, I wasn't even, I I was like beyond suicidal. Like I just didn't care. I didn't care about my own fucking brain. Where do you feel
0: like you're at today compared to that lowest low? Um, If that was a zero where and 10 is like Your best moments.
1: Um, I'd say I probably exist, if I'm being honest, like a five, maybe.
0: Well, I think I speak for every single listener listening to this episode right now as we feel so much compassion. (laughs) We are rooting for you so hard, and I think we are all on the same page and hoping for you that you get yeah, therapy and, and the support that you deserve. But, you know, as one of my friends always says, we can vote all you want, but your vote is the only one that really counts. Right. Yeah. Well, Dee, thank you so much for sharing. Um, thank you, Paul. And helping us get to get to know you. Many thanks to Dee for talking about a lot of stuff that I think uh, probably wasn't easy to uh, to talk about. So many, many thanks to him. And um, before we take it out with some surveys, a big old stack of surveys, I want to remind you guys there's a couple of different ways to support the show. If you feel so inclined, it means a lot to me. I'm not putting pressure on you. Just saying, help me. Uh, you can go to the website and uh, you can make either a one-time PayPal donation or my favorite thing in the whole world, sign up and become a monthly donor for as little as five bucks a month. Once you set it up, you don't have to do anything unless you want to cancel or uh, your credit card expires. And I really, really appreciate the people that are monthly donors. It, it is the financial footing that allows this show to, to, to keep going and um, for me to keep uh, my focus on, on doing it. Um, you can also support us by uh, searching, uh, shopping through our Amazon search portal. It's on the homepage right-hand side about halfway down, not to be confused with the search box for our site itself. And, um, doesn't cost you anything. Amazon gives us a couple of nickels. Um, and you can, you can also support us non-financially by going to iTunes, giving us a good rating, writing something nice about us. That definitely helps. And spreading the word through social media. That really, really helps. There's a subreddit, um, called uh, mental pod. You can, uh, spread the word through, uh, through Reddit and, uh, I got bored with that whole thing about 30 seconds ago. (laughs) I was just on fucking autopilot. Oh, let's get to the surveys, huh? Shall we? Let us do it. This is an email that I got from a listener named Lee, and uh, I was just so touched by it. I wanted to read it to you guys. She writes, "Um, I'm happy to tell you that my boyfriend and I had a fear off. Uh, and a love off, and it was a pretty big moment in our relationship. After nearly a week of on and off arguments and doubting our relationship, this really helped to strengthen us and pull us together. I feel like it's a perfect way to open up communication about feeling without judgment attached. I struggle with his judgment on a regular basis. Most of the time, my feelings and thoughts come out in a flood, a flood during an argument, and he just checks out emotionally, which in turn upsets me even more. This conversation was so different. It was calm and controlled. For the first time in a long time, I felt heard, and I think it helped open his eyes to a deeper side of himself. He's even agreed to do a follow-up fear-off in a couple of weeks. I love that. I tell you, fears and loves can tell you a lot about not only somebody, but but where they're at. This is from the Struggle in a a Shouldn't Feel This Way survey, uh, filled out by um, Jane. And I just want to read a couple excerpts from it. If you had a time machine, how would you use it? I would like to know what made my father such a terrible father. We made him. What made him so angry and so detached from his children? Why alcohol and drugs were more of a priority than his family? Well, if he was an alcoholic, it's because he was an alcoholic. And that is part of the sickness. Um, doesn't excuse it, but that's the reason. Um, and it's not about not loving other people. It's about loving alcohol and drugs, just not being able to to, to function without them. Um, I'm supposed to miss my father, and I don't. I feel relief that he's dead. I'm supposed to see him as this wonderful guy because everyone else does, but he was a liar, and he made people think he was so great while he treated his family like crap. I'm supposed to be happy that he left me an inheritance. I don't, and I don't want it because I feel like it is just one more way for him to control me from the grave. Uh, how does writing that uh, make you feel? I feel guilty but he was such a narcissistic prick I feel free of him now that he is gone. I feel free to spend my time for me and make decisions for me. When he was alive it was all about what he wanted I would imagine there are a gazillion family members of alcoholics and drug addicts that feel exactly like that. My heart goes out to you especially because I'm somebody that mistreated loved ones um, through my addiction and alcoholism so, um, on behalf of of us uh, boozy, druggy fuck ups, um, I'm so, I'm sorry that you guys have to put put up with us. But uh, there there are solutions, and thank God I found one. Uh, same survey filled out by a woman who calls herself Bad Mama. Uh, What would you like people to say about your your funeral? She was brave, not because she was fearless, but because despite fear, she said, fuck it, I can do it, watch me. How does writing that make you feel? Silly but proud. I know that despite my various shortcomings, at least that is true. If you had a time machine, how would you use it? I'd go far, far into the future, far beyond the years I could even possibly live to see, as close to the fall of humanity I can get. I want to see how it ends. That's a great one. I'm supposed to feel lucky to be straight, but I don't. I feel like being a lesbian would be so much more fulfilling and a hell of a lot easier. I'm supposed to feel happy and free that I quit smoking, but I don't. I feel trapped. I feel like a petulant juvenile uh, need to rebel. I feel a petulant juvenile need to rebel. Even though I'm 35, I'm supposed to feel lucky and fulfilled that I'm able to stay at home with my 15-month-old daughter, but I don't. I feel angry and resentful. That because I am the mom and because I made less money, I was the one who had to quit my job. I hate being stuck at home and I don't want to be a fucking housewife. I don't want my daughter to ever see me that way. I never wanted this kind of life. How does uh, it make you feel to write your feelings out? Tired. Do you think you're abnormal for feeling what you do? Nope, but I do feel the need to add that I love my daughter and husband as if anyone reading this would doubt I could feel that way too would knowing other people feel the same way and make you feel better about yourself i know many feel the same way i would feel better about myself to actually meet hear more from or speak to women who had similar feelings i encourage you to go to the forum i started a thread um called uh, being a mom so search for that and and post there i think i think you'll find a lot of uh, a lot of kindred spirits there and any comments to make the uh, the show better any aging punk rock feminist moms with fucked up childhoods would be a plus um, I agree. If you're in the LA area and you fit that description, I'd love to love to have you on. Same survey. This is filled out by a guy who calls himself uh, Kane Aloha. And he writes, uh, what would you like people to say about you at your funeral? That I was a happy guy that loved his family and enjoyed getting the most out of life. How does writing that make you feel? It gives me that sadness that you can feel in your gut. It makes me feel like I want to cry. It's like I'm missing out on something, but I don't know what it is. If you had a time machine, how would you use it? I have no idea. I don't think I would want to go back and observe any part of my life. I'm supposed to feel happy about seeing my family when I get home from work and they are excited to see me, but I don't. I feel overwhelmed by the attention and sad that I cannot give it to them. How does it make you feel to write your feelings out? I feel like it doesn't change anything and that makes me more sad. You think you're abnormal for feeling what you do? Absolutely. I feel like I should be able to enjoy life to the fullest, but instead I just feel disconnected from everyone and everything. Would knowing other people feel the same way make you feel better about yourself? Not really. Well, I'm going to add this anyway. Dude, that sounds like depression to me, and who knows where the where that is coming from, but I felt exactly that way. Exactly that way. Uh. uh a smile felt like i was lifting a 100 pound weight being around people felt like sandpaper and uh, i had to go to talk to somebody about that to find out where the depression was coming from and um i encourage you that you know something like that who knows it could it could just be a you know a, a chemical thing that can be adjusted with with meds you know maybe talk therapy but um you deserve it and your family deserves um for you to feel good this is um from a rarely taken survey uh called the young male abused by older female survey and um this is filled out by a guy who calls himself so very tired he is uh straight in his 30s and he writes i was 14 and she was maybe 36 she was married and had kids and lived in our general area this was back in the days before the internet and local network of computers um Oh, this was before the internet and the local network of computers called BBSs were more in use. I ended up meeting her via messages on one of these. And one day, when my dad was working but she was off, she came by. I told my sister this was a family friend, and she hung out at my place. She brought me wine, which I didn't want to go, which I didn't want to go through with. Uh, not because I wasn't horny; I was a fourteen-year-old. I was very much so, but because I found her hideous. Um, She was old and overweight. I knew she'd driven that far out there and took such a chance. And also, I didn't want to hurt her feelings or disappoint her. Screw it up, right? So I went through with it. It was awful. I pretended to break down just to get her to leave, even though I didn't finish. Before she left, she asked me, but what am I going to do for the rest of the day? And I was so mad that she was trying to make that my problem. I felt like... I was the real adult in the situation, only I was operating off of some messed up wiring. Um, Later she tried to contact me but I told her my dad found out and if she ever did it again he was going to tell the police. My dad didn't know. I was just ashamed and didn't want anyone else to know. My parents still don't know. I'm 35 now. Remembering these things, what feelings come up? Shame and sadness mostly. I'm tearing up a little and I really wasn't expecting that. I thought I had this aspect of my past. Well, under control, but I suppose not. Send in a big hug your way, buddy. Um, this is from the Happy Moment survey filled out by Natalie, and she writes, My dad is my flawed hero. Aside from my self-fuck-yeah self-love moment, he is the most important human being in my life. After watching my mother grieve the death of her estranged father, I made it a point to recognize and cherish simple moments with my dad so that Through my inevitable and profound loss, I will have joy, too. Although I am in no way religious or believe in God, I take my father's hand before every meal and pray with him. I pay no attention to the words that I've recited a million times before, and instead note the weight, the warmth, and every wrinkle of his hand in mine as we bless another meal together. That is beautiful. Thank you for that, Natalie. This is from the Shame and Secret survey filled out by a, a woman who... Uh, just calls herself the uh the symbol for for the heart and um this is just a a section of this uh, under deepest darkest secret she writes not a dark secret, but something I want to get off my chest. Background. I've been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, depression, social anxiety, etc. I feel like a fucking weirdo all the time, and I have trouble even speaking in school. I don't even feel like I relate to people in the proper way to make them like me. By the way, she's she's in her 20s. Uh, when we have class discussions, I feel like there's something stuck in my mouth and I can't speak. Lately, I've been getting drunk uh, once a month and meeting a random guy off the internet. I let them pick me up already drunk. I don't drive drunk, so at least that's a plus. We hang out and I proceed to get totally obliterated. And then I touch them sexually. They consent to this. Uh, I make out with them. Hey, give it a break, would you? <laughs> I've got a pile of surveys on the floor. My dogs are trying to make a bed out of it, uh, rewinding. Um they consent to this and make out with them. I don't have full-on sex, but it still makes me feel shitty. Like, why am I doing this? I know I'm attractive. I don't need the affirmation. It's like I want to fuck my head up even more. And I also get very angry and cuss, cry, tell them I want to die, refuse to let them drop me off afterwards. I become a different person. I fucking hate that I do this. It's a weird and shitty, quote, habit. Um, send it a big hug your way. I can't imagine how difficult... Um. Living with borderline personality disorder um, and those other things uh, on top of that has got to be um, I really hope that you're going to see somebody because that is a lot on your plate and you're not doing those things because you're a bad person um, we you know we we do stuff that shames us sometimes because we don't know how to process things that are that we're feeling that are overwhelming and one of the hallmarks of borderline personality disorder is that your feelings are super 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 intense and um so reach out for help this is from the shame and secret survey filled out by a guy who calls himself Nick knack he is straight in his 20s raised in a stable and safe environment never been sexually abused deepest darkest thoughts Killing myself in a busy intersection so that everyone will see. Deepest, darkest secrets. Attempted suicide a few times. Pills, vomited. Bag on head with duct tape, ripped off. Masturbate excessively to porn since 12 years old. Uh, focuses on incest, bestiality, interracial porn. Father shamed me after discovering one of the first two. I still don't know which one he saw. Uh, By the way, I was at work one time when I was like 20 years old. I was working in the same building for the same company as my dad. And um, I was down in the, you know, the whatever you want to call it, the store, the that they have at the at the bottom of built big buildings where they sell snacks and stuff like that and they had a magazine rack and i'm thumbing through the magazines and i see this magazine called jugs magazine and i kind of chuckle because i'm like wow that that just i don't know i picked it up and i started looking through it and all of a sudden i hear his voice behind me is this what you do on your lunch hour i didn't even try to say anything you know i was like yep the september issue at jugs um Let's see. Uh, Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Girls having anal sex slash insertions. Girls talking about themselves in nasty ways. White girls obscenely worshiping well-endowed black men. Women being debased and demented and depraved turns me on the most. At the same time, women expressing sexuality in the public arena sometimes makes me resentful, i.e., they should belong to me. They shouldn't be acting that way. Weird hypocrisy, huh? I think the interracial... Porn addiction is more pervasive problem for men, though it's so humiliating we may never hear enough about it. Oh, and taking the survey and reading everyone else's perversions also turns me on. Uh, Would you ever consider telling a partner or close friend? Yes, I have before, but usually doesn't go over well. I guess I haven't met the right woman. Or maybe I should take this stuff to the grave. I don't know. I wouldn't share my woman with another man, though, but definitely want to be kinky with her in any one-on-one way way possible. Um, You know, I think the biggest hurdle is going to be to begin to see—this sounds obvious and I hope it doesn't sound condescending—but to see women um, in a context that isn't sexual, So that then when you see them in a sexual context, it's not such a large part of how you see them. And it took me a long time to get to that place. It's not easy, Um, but it can be done. This is the same survey filled up by a woman who calls herself Rosen. She is uh, asexual in her 20s, uh, was raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment, never been sexually abused. Deepest Darkest Thoughts I will never admit to anyone that I think about having sex with prepubescent girls, 9-13. to Deepest Darkest Secrets I think I got herpes from my first boyfriend. I get tested regularly and none of my tests have come back positive for anything, but I experienced symptoms, symptoms that I'm sure are an STD. Sexual Fantasy is Most Powerful to You I fantasize a lot about anal sex. I have had anal sex on occasion, but not that often. I switch perspectives from being the one doing the fucking to an impassive third party just watching it happen. The sex is always very rough, though not violent, and the person receiving the sex, often a waifish, pale girl or boy, is completely overcome by it. I get off on watching as someone is required, forced, to completely let go. Um, Would you ever consider telling a partner, close friend? I've mentioned it to my partner. Do these secrets and thoughts generating your particular feelings towards yourself? A little shame in how much I like power play. I want to both be annihilated and to erase people who have some power over me. Thank you for sharing that, Rosen. Um, same survey filled up by Rose. Oh, only one letter different from the previous one. Uh, she's in her 20s, uh, bisexual, and qualifies, I don't know. Uh, was raised in a stable and safe environment. Although she qualifies, haven't done much reflection on this. I think I should. Um, uh, deepest, darkest thoughts, I look down on other people. Deepest, darkest secrets, mostly just dark thoughts. I rarely ever do things at all. I tried to be someone I'm not, to be liked by some guy I still have feelings for, and failed because I still wasn't good enough. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Unintentional weight gain especially in men. Also, watching someone binge, overeat, clothes getting too tight, etc. I assume it's because I have fears of gaining weight myself. I've had these kinds of fantasies for as long as I can remember having sexual fantasies. It's the only way I can get off. Also, I think it's mostly men because I don't feel as bad about women because I don't feel as bad when it happens to them. With women, it had hit closer to home and i really like to feel more connected to other women than I do now. Would you ever consider telling a partner or close friend? I've told a former partner he didn't really get the unintentional part and intimacy felt very weird afterwards. I don't plan on telling future partners. That kind of bums me out because, um, I don't know, I, I just feel like that's really a part of intimacy is is letting all of that part be seen of, of you, even the part that, especially the part of your that you're afraid is going to be judged. This is an email I got from a, a listener who I forgot to ask her how she wants to be referred to, so I'll just give her the in, in, initial B. And she was asking me some questions about her therapist. She's thinking about quitting her therapist and finding a different one. And she, I'm just going to read some excerpts um She writes, when I vent and pronounce words wrong, she corrects me every time. Instead of discussing why I have panic attacks, she took the whole session time to explain how they happen. Uh, I do know what happens when you have a a panic attack. I've had them for over seven years now. We were talking about my inability to let things go, accept them, and how I obsess for years over small stuff that happens to all of us. Uh, Therapist, so have you ever tried to just let things go? Me. Well, I have. I know intellectually that many things I obsess about are r- irrelevant for everyone but me, therapist. Try to put all those things you cannot let go of in a bag and throw it off of a mental cliff and then just let go. I tried that, but it doesn't work. Well, then you just have to live with it or get over it. Give her the fucking. That cane that the, the on the Showtime at the Apollo have your last session be you come in with that cane and you just pull her out of her office and you take over her office and you start seeing people and if she questions you just refer her to this episode but seriously find another therapist because she really does not sound uh, empathic at all and I think an empathic therapist a therapist who has empathy um i I think your that therapist thinks that this is like an intellectual endeavor and uh, she sounds very cut off from her feelings and fuck her this is from the shame and secret survey filled out by a woman who calls herself attention seeker she's straight in her 30s was raised in an environment that was a little dysfunctional um never been sexually abused deepest darkest thoughts completely quitting my life husband and two kids and just starting over somewhere new um Uh, Deepest Darkest Secrets, I've slept with two men during my marriage and currently am tied emotionally to three males outside of my marriage by email primarily, but one male, uh, it's a frequent full-on physical act. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. I love thinking about being with a man, fucking him, and then going home to my husband and fucking him, knowing that he is sucking and licking on parts of me that another man recently has. You know, it it going uh, to give my two cents here. It sounds like you're up against a sex and love addiction, and um, it sounds pretty serious. And I think if you don't talk to somebody about that or get some type of help, I think it's going to um, definitely destroy your marriage. And I don't know if you care about protecting your marriage, but something that intense is not going to go away on its, on its own. Um, shame and secret survey filled up by a guy who calls himself Zoros. He is straight in his 30s, was raised in an environment that was a little dysfunctional. I just want to read his deepest, darkest thought. Uh, I fantasize constantly about my wife, now ex-wife, getting killed in a car accident because it would mean relationship and financial freedom because I would have gotten a large life insurance payout. My mom, who died of breast cancer and. 2006, was diagnosed in 1992, and was on chemo all throughout my high school years. I used to be happy on the days she got chemo because it would weaken her to the point she couldn't walk upstairs to where my room was, and I could actually have some privacy. That is fucking heavy. And I think I, while my mom never had cancer or chemo, I know that feeling of just wanting to be left alone. So I'm sending you a hug and let go of that guilt. This is from the Happy Moment survey filled up by a guy who calls himself Big Red Truck. And he writes, My family and I were staying in a holiday home for the weekend. I was completely racked with anxiety and could not stop living in the past. I sent the kids to bed, and a few minutes later, I decided to go say goodnight. My little five-year-old girl was in a red sleeping bag, and when I was saying goodnight, she said to me completely out of the blue, I will always love you, Dad. You remember that, okay? I said to her, okay. She held out her right hand and said, It's a deal. And I grabbed her hand and I said, deal. For a few moments, my anxiety lifted, and I was fighting back tears of joy. Thank you for sharing that. This is from the Shame and Secret survey filled out by a guy who calls himself Rockstar. And I just want to read uh, his sexual fantasy. Uh, I want women to be obsessed with me, to desire me in every way possible, to not be able to get enough of me, especially sexually. I want to know that there's somewhere out there, uh, someone, that there's somewhere out there who's, I think he meant to say someone out there who's every sexual need I meet and to feel desired and lusted after. I think it would be awesome to have two women fight over me. That would feel good. In theory. (laughs) Uh, from the happy moment survey. Um, and please, if you haven't filled these out, it's one of my favorite surveys to read. Um, so please go fill it out. And the more sublime your happy moment is, the better. Uh, she writes playing bingo at a late, late night event on my school's campus. I ended up there randomly and had a great time. I just remember thinking, wow, I just happened to be walking by and now I'm sitting here playing bingo with a bunch of freshmen and it's the most fun I've had in years. Either my life is really lame or I seriously need a break. I love that. This is from Shame and Secrets Survey. If you guys haven't noticed, Shame and Secrets uh, headlines. Um, Struggle in a Sentence is the the MC, the opening act. Uh, shouldn't Feel This Way or one of the other ones, the feature act. But Shame and Secrets has the headline filled out by Jane C. She's straight. In her 20s, was raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment. Um, Ever been the victim of sexual abuse? Some stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts. Last year, I went through the toughest battle with depression in my life so far. I was drinking to the point of getting blackout drunk often, and one night I was drinking alone. I ended up calling one of my guy friends who I knew for about three years, and I drove drunk to his house. There, I just became more drunk, and the next thing I remember was being naked on his bed with his silhouette above me. In the morning, it was really awkward, and I just tried to act like it was not that big of a deal because we were friends, because I felt like it was my fault since I was drunk, and because I was the one who drove to his house. By the way, never anybody's fault for being drunk or, you know, going over to somebody's house. Uh, I feel so ashamed of myself and I constantly go back and forth being mad at my friend and feeling guilty for what I did. I'm still friends with him because I am afraid that he will tell all our friends if I blame him. Um, Deepest, darkest thoughts. I find much younger preteens attractive at times. I think about seducing them and taking their virginity. With me being an older experienced girl, I feel like they would end up enjoying it. Um... I would preface that by saying, uh, please don't. And the they may their bodies may enjoy it, but it will damage them later. And I'm sure you're not actually thinking about doing it, but I just had to add that. Uh, Deepest, darkest secrets. When I was younger, my older cousin and I used to kiss and touch each other's genitals often. As we got older, we stopped, and I would get angry at him for touching me in a way I felt was weird. Even if he just tried to tickle me, I would feel a bit violated. However, I ended up touching and kissing my younger cousin the same way for a few years. It all stopped by the time I was maybe 12. I feel scared that I've passed down what my older cousin did to me to my younger cousin. I wonder if it has affected my younger cousin mentally and if she has ever told anyone. I think you should go talk to somebody because these are pretty heavy things on your plate and um, many of them are in an area that isn't clearly defined and that is what talk therapy or support groups is so, so great for. So, send in your big hug, be kind to yourself, stop beating yourself up, and open up to somebody. Uh, This is from the Shame and Secret Survey, uh, filled out by a guy who calls himself Griff. Uh, He is bisexual in his 20s, was raised in a totally chaotic environment. Ever been the victim of sexual abuse? Some stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts. When I was nine years old, a boy four years older introduced me to BDSM porn. Uh, Okay, right away... Yes, sexual abuse. Over a year, things progressed beyond the porn, and the older boy started touching me and asking me to expose myself to him. Before long, I eventually performed oral on him multiple times, and he penetrated me once. We also acted out many of the activities in the BDSM porn, with him as the dom and me as the sub. I never ejaculated because my body did not work yet. I remember feeling happy that he liked me and wanted me. I try to convince myself that I didn't enjoy it and that the only motivation I had for tolerating it was to escape home. But I know looking back that I enjoyed and even craved the attention he gave me. And there is nothing wrong with that. That is so human to crave that attention. That's what happened with with me, with the kid that was four years older than me. But he abused me. He abused me and he didn't do nearly what this guy did. Um, So... Forgive yourself. Uh, Deepest, darkest thought? Think about killing myself on occasion. Deepest, darkest secrets? I obsess about losing weight and keeping the weight off. I eat about 1,100 calories a day, and I throw food away that I tell my girlfriend I ate. I take food out of the fridge and throw it away, including the ingredients for dishes that I tell my girlfriend I cooked, though I never did. I know I shouldn't do this, but every time I think of gaining weight, I can't stand the thought. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. I fantasize about being made to serve or perform for women. Aside from the fact that my partners in these fantasies are women, many of the acts in my fantasies are otherwise identical to my experiences in childhood. Would you ever consider telling a partner or close friend? I've told my girlfriend some of my fantasies, but only with great difficulty and shame. Do these secrets and thoughts generate any particular feelings towards yourself? I hate with a visceral passion that these activities have wormed their way into my brain. That I have to think about these activities to climax means that the older boy from my childhood has shaped me in an essential way and that he has power over me 15 years later. I feel like I will never escape him, and I hate myself for being unable to change this. Uh, Buddy, I'm giving you a big hug because I relate to that as well you know being drank in by my mom and the th- the way that she treated my body has left me with a very very powerful um sexual fantasy about being looked at you know like um you know wanting to be the center of attention or women to look at me and um a lot of shame for a lot of years about that and I'm 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 letting it go and I know where it comes from and I wish I wish it wasn't there because it just feels so kind of pathetic and needy, um, but I know other people have that. I know other people, you know, and um my wife's a pretty open-minded person, so you know um we're able to work it into our fantasies and she doesn't have any problem with it, and sometimes I feel silly um but that's what love is, man. This is from the Shame and Secret survey filled out by uh, a woman who calls herself Beth. She's bisexual in her 20s, was raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment, never been sexually abused. Deepest, darkest thoughts. I'm afraid that I am a fraud, that I am not actually an artist. I'm afraid that someday the people I have let into my life and begun to trust will realize how horrible I am and abandon me. I'm afraid that everything I do is tainted by my childhood and being abused physically and emotionally, not sexually, and that I will never be able to discern the truth from reality. Deepest, darkest secrets. I strongly believe that I was hearing the voice of God for the entirety of 2009. I see things I sometimes cannot tell what is real. In the past few years I've gotten as close as outside of a hospital ready to check myself in 12 times before giving up and going home out of fear that I wasn't bad enough. I've started wandering around my high crime neighborhood at night in hopes of getting killed accidentally so I don't have to do it myself. Uh, I just want to I just want to send you a big hug. Um sexual fantasies most powerful to you I'm generally Uh, Very focused on control. I like to perform oral sex on men and women alike and not let them touch me at all. Uh, I would like to be able to tie someone down and fuck them, but not in a violent or aggressive way, just one where I have complete control. Would you ever consider telling a partner or close friend? Yes, though it's not a fantasy as much as the only way I'm capable of engaging sexually with another person. I've had partners get angry with me when I told them I do not like to be touched. Do these secrets and thoughts generate any particular feelings towards yourself? Guilt, annoyance at myself for not being able to engage in basically mutual sexual activity without turning it into a power struggle. I wish I could just get rid of my control issues. Beth, I am giving you a big hug and take that step. You know, you, you qualify for help. You qualify for help and you deserve it. So please go talk to somebody, and it will help with all of those things. This is from the Shame and Secrets survey, filled out by a female who calls herself Bizabella. She is straight in her 30s, was raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment, never been sexually abused. Deepest, darkest thoughts, I think about older men raping children. I think about killing myself. Deepest, darkest secrets, I lead on an older man who gives me money. I've never had sex with him. Uh, sexual fantasies most powerful to you, father getting drunk, coming home from the bar and having sex with his daughter, religious father being so in love with his young daughter that he marries her. Um, And in most of my fantasies, I am the man. Uh, Would you ever consider telling a partner, close friend? Yes. How do these make you feel? Um, Do these generate any particular feelings towards yourself? Not really. I do have father issues, but never any sexual abuse. I feel like it is the extremity of human... Capability that arouses me sometimes I wonder if I should worry about these fantasies or if they come from some inner issues. You know it sounds to me like you got them in a pretty a pretty healthy place they're in your head and you're willing to share them with somebody you trust. That sounds healthy to me. This is from the happy moments survey um filled out by Chris, and he writes either he or she I, Yeah, he. The first one that comes to mind would be the night that I told my girlfriend I loved her for the first time. We were laying in bed about to go to sleep when I looked her in the eyes and told her. I knew the time was right because I literally could not wait one more second without telling her. We stayed up for a while after that, just talking, and she remarked how she hadn't seen me that happy in the time we'd known each other. That's sweet. One more shame and secrets and then two more happy moments like how i just kind of passively aggressively apologized i was afraid that it's getting too long um this is just a section from the uh shame and secret survey um she calls herself uh a noir and does that mean dark flower is that what that means um Deepest, darkest secrets, I want to be an escort and have sex with rich men for money. No strings attached or emotions involved. I've come close and have a somewhat of an arrangement with one older man. He spoils me with money and trips, and I feel no shame in essentially using him. I feel there is mutually beneficial agreement. He gets to sleep with a young, attractive woman, and I get paid for it. This is from a happy moment survey um, filled out by Kristen. And uh, Kristen Brown, and she writes, uh, I was the only one of my brothers or sisters on the school bus on the way home. It was cold. I just remember my dad waiting for me at the end of the driveway, so I ran to him. I don't know if he waited ever for anyone else, but that was nice. I love those little those little sweet moments that stick with us, and that is what a perfect example of one. And this last one is from Happy Moments, filled out by Ellie. And she writes... Um, A happy moment was staying at my grandmother's house after school, and sometimes in the days it would rain, she would gather us kids, a total of five grandkids, staying with her after school, and tell us, it's time for raindrops. She would stop everything she was doing, no matter what, go in the kitchen, and make donut batter from scratch, drop them in hot grease, roll them in sugar, and sit with us on the porch, watching the rain, eating raindrops, and singing." I was about 8, and I actually suffered from anxiety and depression early on. This, however, is one of those very few moments in my childhood that I remember feeling safe, happy, and loved. My grandmother has passed away and taken her recipe for raindrops with her, but nothing will ever take away this wonderful, warm, and loving memory. The warmest part of this whole story is that I have now learned that even though she was not an educated woman and had never heard of mental health or psychiatry she was very much in touch with my emotional well-being and raindrops were a thing she made up to cheer me up and distract me from my low points get me to sing and to talk raindrops always came at the right time and did make me feel warm and safe and it would get me through the day what a happy moment yeah I agree what a beautiful, happy moment, and what a great moment to end the show on. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for helping create this community. Thanks to Dee, and um, looking forward to seeing some of you guys in Toronto. And um, if you're out there and you're feeling stuck, you are most definitely not alone. And there is hope if you're willing to ask for help. Thanks for listening.